Hello, and welcome to the Tech Dirt Podcast. I'm Mike Masnick. The world is increasingly technological, so we have better get methodical. Bringing precision to critical digital journalism with the singular vision of the modern monocle. Stopping the copyright bullies from pulling the wall on us. Facing and taking on all the plates to pay to troll. Document the ways that they aim to take control. Scrutinizing through their lies and make them fall. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt. To grab a shovel and dig up the tech. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt. To grab a shovel and dig up the tech. Uh, one of the things that we've talked about for, well, two decades on Tech Dirt is uh, the importance of community. Uh, I've long argued that one of the key things that the media business fails to understand uh, is that they're not really in the news business so much as they're in the community business. They brought together a community around news, often local news, and then sold their the attention of that community in the form of ads. And yet, What's amazed me is just how bad many sites are today about actually building community. Instead, it feels like many have just outsourced the community function to sites like Facebook. But the real power of the internet was always in the ability to create niche communities around any topic or sometimes no topic at all. Uh, when I first got online, before the web even existed, I found uh, a whole bunch of different communities, specifically on Usenet and on IRC. Uh, more than two decades ago, I got added to an email list community from which I still know many people today. The number of different communities that you could join and get involved in and play a big role in on the internet was uh, massively more than anything you could do pre-internet, which was part of the internet's real power. And we've always tried to build TechDirt around this community concept and worked on things that were good for the community first, realizing that those things should help all the other stuff that we need to do if we have a strong community. Now, another site that has been around nearly as long as TechDirt and which has uh, taken, a, I'd say, a slightly different, but in many ways, very, very similar approach to what we've done on TechDirt is Metafilter. Uh, it was founded in 1999 by Matt Howie, and it built up a very, very large and loyal community over the past two decades. Uh, last year, Howie handed over the site to uh, longtime moderator Josh Millard, uh, who is joining me today to talk about building online communities and uh, similar things, and we'll see where the conversation goes. So welcome, Josh. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for having me. Sure. And before we get started on the conversation, I should note uh, and uh, give a shout out to uh, Chris O'Donnell, who uh, made the suggestion that I have Josh on. Uh, Chris has been uh, a longtime member of the TechDirt community, even worked for us for a little while, many, many, many years ago, and I believe has also been uh, involved in a member of the Metafilter community yeah, for a while. Yeah, as long-time well. user. Um, so uh, let's start with with your backstory, since you didn't you didn't start Metafilter, but you came in somewhere along the way. Yeah, um, the the real quick version is I joined Metafilter very early on. You know, I was just graduating college, and Meme Pool wasn't updating enough, and a friend of mine was like, "Oh, <laughs> which you is, check out," which, which we should mention is another of those yes. early early. Uh, uh, online communities. That was uh, Josh Schachter, right? I think who, so, yeah. Who did that and um, and and who, who I should say also. So this is just random tangents. Um, there was a point where somebody, uh, Dennis, uh, who uh, used to work for TechDirt also and um, often co-hosts this podcast, uh, though he no longer works for us, um, 
he registered, this is a long, long time ago, uh, he registered the domain meme poo. <laughs> at some point uh and and did nothing with it but he had registered it and i don't know maybe two months after he registered it uh josh Schachter emailed me i was like hey <laughs> there's this guy who works for you who's registered meme poo and I just want to make sure there's not something weird <laughs> happening. And we're just like, no, he just thought it was a funny domain and we never did anything with it. But uh, that's beautiful. Um, yeah. So sorry. Random yeah. Answer. No, no, no. It's, I mean, that's, that's kind of like the, that's the early internet that like, I think everybody who's been involved with it for a couple decades can just track down a whole bunch of those tangents. Yeah. <laughs> um, so for me, yeah, I, I, I liked meme pool. It didn't update enough. A friend was like, Oh, you should check out this blue site. It's, it's like meme pool, but it has comments and right, you know. And at that point, Metafilter was just that. It was you know a group sort of link aggregation blog with comments and all the other stuff that's part of the Metafilter ecosystem now just hadn't come along yet. Um, and I started hanging out and I liked it. And I was you know sort of a low impact, low frequency, obnoxious early twenty something <laughs> member. And uh, and then a few years went by, and I got laid off from a job where there had been no internet access, and so suddenly I had all the internet access and none of the job, and right. I started spending a lot of time on Metafilter. Um, and you know, I got another job a couple months later, but uh, that had internet access too. So I just I ended up getting really involved and in sort of like falling really truly properly in love with the site back in the mid two thousands, um, and became a very active member. Started reading uh, MetaTalk, which is the sort of site uh, community discussing itself part of Metafilter. You know, it's a dedicated area for talking about site issues and community mm -hmm. stuff and feature proposals and bug reports and so on and so on. Um, and it's really kind of like this core part of the site's identity. And I started spending a lot of time there and reading discussions and I started answering questions because I'd been, you know, studying up essentially. And uh, at some point, Matt Howey needed to bring on some more help because he'd had uh, Jessamyn West had been working there for a couple of years and she was like, Matt, I need a vacation at all. Because <laughs> um, it was just like, first it was just him and then it was just him and her watching right. the site 24-7. And it, we'll get to that basically, but it's not the best way to run a busy site. Um, and so I ended up working part-time for a bit while she took some time off. And then when she came back, she was like, hey, what if Josh keeps working here? And I did. And uh, then several years go by and I ended up sticking around and becoming a, a very active member of the moderation team. And Matt left for Slack a few years ago. He mm -hmm. had done this for so long and basically burnt out completely on it. So he got work at Slack and he's happy doing that. And uh, I took over day-to-day -day management from there. And then last year we ended up actually changing the ownership as well because he was still carrying around some like the legal and tax liabilities. And it's like, why don't we just make this clean? Right. Um, so for the last year I've been the actual owner, which is still, it's such a bizarre thing to somehow have ended up here from, you know, 12 years ago, sitting around my bathrobe saying, Oh, I guess I could spend some more time arguing <laughs> about stuff on the internet now. Right. Um, so, so for, for any of our listeners who aren't familiar with Metafilter, um, I'm hoping that most of our, listeners do know it, but, but why don't, can you just talk about sort of what is the site today? Sure. Yeah. Um, so it started as a link discussion blog back in 99 and it has sort of grown steadily more pieces since then as it built out sort of support functions for other things that the Metafilter community was interested in. You know, we meta talk came along very early as a way to talk about the site. So people would stop posting, Hey, what about this about Metafilter on the front page? 
Uh, and from there, we added an ask meta filter, which has become a huge part of the site's culture. It's a question and action, question and answer, excuse me, part of the site where people can post questions about literally whatever, and people in the community will then try and answer that. Um, we also have a section where you can post music you've made, a section where you can post general creative work. There's a jobs available and looking for jobs part of the site. We run a monthly podcast. So, you know, a whole... Uh, a whole smear of different things that people wanted to do on the site, wanted from the site to sort of create uh, community spaces and subspaces. Um, and so today it's basically the same general idea it was when it started. It's just like grown and changed and shifted a lot as we've expanded uh, the kind of things people can do on the site. Uh, but the core thing is it really is a very community-centric site. You know, it's all very text-based. There's almost no images on the site. It's just about conversation and sharing things and discussing things and arguing about things within reason. One of the things we've done <laughs> in the last 18 years is moved more towards like, hey, let's try and find a way to have constructive discussions even about challenging stuff and not so much say well this is a challenging topic so of course people are going to fight so go for it you know it's possible to actually try and find some sort of compromise space where you can say hey this is a hard topic and it's worth talking about but let's make the effort to talk about it well um and that's a big part of how the site works as far as the staff we've got a moderation team of six uh, moderators, mix of full-time and part-time, spread around the world so that we have literally someone's on the clock 24-7, but everybody's working like sane shifts. You know, people work, you know, full-time, you're not going to work more than 40 hours a week, and the part-timers mm -hmm. fill in the gaps. Um, and there's there's always just someone around on the site monitoring stuff, looking, users can flag stuff, we keep an eye on those, we're very responsive to those, and to email, we try to get everything in like, you know, ideally within a couple minutes, like, an average long-term response time is like 15 minutes maybe on something. Hmm. Um, so we can really stay on top of things and respond promptly to anything that comes up. Um, and it's a big part of the site culture. Like it's the thing that makes Metafilter an interesting community is all the people who are there and participating and, you know, talking about stuff, sharing stuff, um, talking about their experiences. You know, that is that is the lifeblood of Metafilter. It's very much the people in the community, but a big part of the character of it and how it's been the place it's been for all these years is that we're very, very attentive about moderation and trying to help those varied and sometimes difficult discussions not go as bad as all of that stuff really obviously can on the internet. <laughs> and, <laughs> so, and often often does. And, and actually, yeah. I, I want to dig in on this point because this is something, um, and, and we've been having some discussions about this as well. Uh, um, there seems to be this impression uh, among many people um, that what what moderation means for a community is basically like deleting bad stuff. Yeah. Um, and and the, there seems to be this impression, which is incorrect, as I think we're about to discuss, that, you know, that you basically only have two options. And the two options are free for all, uh, in which evil, horrible trolls will um, take over and destroy your community, or like aggressive deletion. Um, and, and, you know, one of the things that, that we've really tried to do, both you know, in stuff that we've written about and in how we how we run TechDirt is demonstrate that that's, you know, there, there are more options than that binary. Yeah, yeah. There's a whole there's a whole spectrum of possibilities there. And, 
you know, one of it is that there's no one size fits all tool. Like there are mm -hmm. threads on MetaFilter that I end up watching very closely. And, you know, every once in a while there's a thread on MetaFilter where I'll end up deleting, you know, 15, 20% of the comments because mm -hmm. something really quickly spun out of control. Um, but in practice, most of what we do on the site when there's a thread where we're like, oh, that's a difficult topic that's going to need some attention is not wait for things to go wrong and delete them, but keep a close eye on it and wait to see if things are sort of edging in a tricky direction. <laughs> right. And then, you know, pop in with a note to say, hey, folks, I know this is challenging, but let's keep in mind, you know, we're all sort of on the same team here. We're all just trying to share the space. So, you know, take a breath and uh, find a way to keep this, you know, like a workable discussion. You know, you can get a lot of mileage out of just sort of signaling that someone is there and is watching it. That this is yeah. not just an anonymous, you know, place to, you know, write something on the wall that you're actually in a community, that you're actually around other people and people are watching and being attentive and, you know, not just like they'll see if you misbehave, but they're being attentive and wanting to support you having that difficult discussion, you know, knowing that someone is not just sitting around waiting for you to fuck up, right. but that someone is sitting around watching and hoping to help you navigate tricky territory. That's huge. That makes a big difference in how comfortable people feel about being a little bit more vulnerable. And when people feel comfortable being a little bit more vulnerable, they're less likely to go in with their defenses up. They're less likely to uh, be ready to snap back if, you know, they get some pushback on something. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, there, there is that image that, like you say, of just like moderation as essentially this dr draconian intervention on right. free conversation. And that's really, that's never the model. Like if you're having a conversation with friends, you know, if someone missteps in that, which is probably a fairly safe, fairly comfortable place to converse, you still, someone's going to put their foot in their mouth. Someone's going to say something a little bit dumb. And we have so many natural ways of quickly and, and efficiently and sort of gently steering away from that, you know, body language, uh, people's facial reactions to stuff, gentle sort of like, uh, right. know, there's so many paralinguistic cues <laughs> that can sort of put the brakes on something dodgy in a person to person show sort of interaction and get things back on track. You know, that doesn't account for bad actors. If a, you know, sure. someone's being a drunk asshole, they're going to be a drunk asshole. But, you know, we all have those conversations where things don't go quite perfect and then they just sort of fix themselves most of the time. And moderation, a lot of the time, I think is just that. It's someone helping make up for the lack of all those paralinguistic cues in, you know, text-mediated conversation where tone is so hard and we don't have the ability to read people's facial expressions. Um, and that's, I think, it's it's shepherding. It's like, you know, it's really sort of being there and helping a conversation go well rather than just shutting down the bad stuff. Right, yeah. And I, I think that's important. I mean, we've we've sort of tried to make this argument to like, you know, there have been all these discussions in a whole bunch of like, like newspapers or large media organizations that, you know, will have added comments and then shut down their comments and say, yeah. like, oh, they were just cesspools. And we would just bring up the, the simple questions like, well, did any of your reporters, one, read the comments or, <laughs> or actually like respond to any of the comments? Were they present? You know, it's not even that you have to get into like, this is not saying like you have to respond to like every trollish comment or, or whatever, but just being present, it's amazing how much, yeah. you know, you, you sort of set the tone, the fact that you're there. Um, you know, I think a lot of the really trollish behavior is, is really just like, oh, I have this space to sort of 
vandalize things. Yeah. Um, whereas if you know that that people like actual humans are reading stuff, I think it gives some people pause. I mean, there's always, you always have have some. Whether they're you know drunk and crazy or just assholes, yeah, know? yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think I think it's it's a really good point, and I think it's complicated because like on the one sure. hand, I think absolutely something like someone having a presence in the comments to their own posted work can really work wonders sometimes if someone's like thinks they're sort of shouting at a brick wall versus talking to a flesh and bud person. Right. I've definitely seen people really turn around pretty quickly sometimes when they realize, oh, I'm not just sort of shouting at a wall. Oh, you're right here. Oh, we're having a conversation. Oh, okay, well, this is what I actually kind of felt about the thing you wrote. You know, and that can totally happen, and I think that's great. At the same time, I also have a lot of misgivings about the idea of – sort of deputizing non-moderators into a moderation role <laughs> in addition to whatever their job is. Sure. Like, like, I don't know whether or not any given reporter should be participating in their own comments. Like, that's, I think that really depends on the nature of their job, their expectations, their skill set. I think it can be a totally fine thing to do, but I also think, like, it's not a good solution as a general thing to moderation problems on news sites because moderation's a job. You know, if you're paying someone to be a reporter and you're not also paying and training and supporting them in moderation work, that's not really cool. That's not an ethical way to deal with the situation. Yeah, uh, I, I think that's fair. I mean, I think the the point that I was making more is just that, like, you know, in the situations where I think that is appropriate, it's often a very effective um you know, effective way to, to do moderation that is not, you know, policing all the comments. It's yeah. just, it's just tone setting, right? No, absolutely. And I think, I think in the spirit of sort of community building, that's a great element of it. Like if you're really going to support a good discussion space on your online publication, making the availability and sort of humanity of your 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 writers and your your content producers be part of that community makes us great like it, it humanizes things it makes people feel like they are sharing in a space rather than just uh wandering around in the comments section of a space yeah and i actually i mean i think that's that's probably the larger point which is just the the humanizing of things i mean i think you know and and you know, for whatever reason, and people will have sort of all sorts of amateur psychology reasons for why this might be, you know, when you're, you know, when you're talking into a, you know, box on a computer, um, especially if it's, you know, on a, on a corporate site, you know, whether it's a small corporation or a large corporate, you kind of feel like, you know, it's, there's this sort of, um, you know, brick wall as opposed to an actual human and anything that, that shows like actual humans are there. We find it even like, not just in our comments, but like, you know, every once in a while we'll get some sort of random angry email about something, you know, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I signed up for the, the daily emails and I'm not getting them, you know, what the fuck is wrong with you people, <laughs> you know, yeah. then, but you send back this sort of nice, gentle, like, um, have you looked in your spam folder? You know, like some, you know, like we're very sorry. We're trying. And, and then suddenly like people calm down and they're like, oh, I'm sorry. I should, I overreact yeah. or whatever. And it's like, as soon as you actually act like a human as opposed to just like, you know, a bot or like, you know, a, a you know, someone in a giant call center. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, like it does feel like people actually, you know, most people do respond to that. Yeah. Well, and that's one of the things, I mean, that's, that's one of the things that I think is really important about having like a clear sense of sort of community guidelines and having mm -hmm. a well-established community ethos on a, on a site. Cause one of the things about communities is when they have a fairly like robust and healthy conversational dynamic, 
everybody is without thinking about it, helping to basically model good behavior for potential new members. Yeah. You know, if someone comes and reads your site and the comments involve people sort of doing, let's say, baseline, semi-crappy internet conversation where people are trying out tired lines and zingers and there's not really any sense of sort of sharing or support or hearing each other out, then if they decide to sign up, that's probably the kind of behavior they're going to engage in too. Like that's what they saw that they said, oh, okay, this is what the tone is here. Right. You know, whereas if you have a real focus on fostering um, a pretty healthy conversational dynamic, then the people who go to your site and see that and they, you know, think, hey, I want in on this, that's what they want in on. You know, they're going to look at that and say, oh, okay, this is, this is how it feels there. And they'll be reading those people and learning uh, how they behave and adapting their behavior likewise. And then they become a part of the community and they model that behavior for new users. And, you know, it, so it goes on yeah. and on like that. Um, and it's, it's, it's not a thing that just will always happen naturally. I mean, Metafilter's lucky in that we got a real good start with just pretty decent people in the first couple of years hanging out and having decent conversations. And I think that set a tone that allowed a community ethos to settle in where people were like, oh, okay, this is the kind of conversation we're going to have. Um, but even then, it still takes work. You know, I mean, if you look at Metafilter threads from, you know, 10, 15 years ago, there's plenty of good old-fashioned internet riffing and fun in there, but there's also a lot of stuff that's actually kind of problematic, you know? People did not do a good job of being sort of at all aware about things like, you know, casual misogyny or casual, mm -hmm. casual homophobia. And, uh, let's not even get into how bad, like, casual transphobia was 15 years ago. You know, it wasn't even on most people's radar except for as jokes. Right. Um, you know, and these are things that we've had to just really attentively work on over the years and not just say, hey, well, Metafilter is a pretty good place, so everybody keep how you're doing, but say, hey, guys, we got to make an effort. We've got to think about the language we're using and how it affects other people and how, to what extent, you know, the fact that, well, no one was really complaining about this, that's not necessarily because it's not a problem. It's because the people who came to the site and read that said no thanks and didn't join because why would they want to submit themselves to that kind of rhetoric that's hostile and a, a huge turnoff to them, you know? So there, there's, there's a lot to thinking about a community as a functional, you know, sort of group practice. You know, mm -hmm. it's not just people managing a baseline of being polite by whatever definition, it's people being thoughtful about, you know, what what message they're sending to people reading the discussions, who they're making space for, who they're not making space for. And, you know, it requires a lot of intentionality, both from any any community's, you know, membership and also from the folks who are moderating that to try and, you know, help steer that and keep that going in a good direction. Yeah. And I, I think this is one thing that a lot of uh, sites or communities underestimate. Um, and, and there's sort of two elements to that. Um, and, and one is like, I think some sites sort of spend a lot of time thinking about like community guidelines and like writing out a document that then no one ever reads or pays attention to. Yeah. Um, other than as like a backstop where like somebody has caused a problem and you're like, well, you violated this particular yeah. thing <laughs> where, whereas like, you know, the more natural, um, you know, to develop a community is sort of what actually happens in practice, right? And so, yeah. you know, and, and some of that can change over time, as, as you've indicated. So the more that you can do to sort of say, like, 
this is, you know, this is the type of community that we want. And you sort of set the examples and then, you know, members of the community sort of continue to, to define and redefine it over time. But it, it has to be, you know, more in sort of how the community itself actually happens as opposed to like the, you know, preset written. Yeah, exactly. Guidelines. I mean, documentation is great. Guidelines are sure. great. Metafilter depends on a relatively simple set of guidelines and there generally are guidelines instead of rules because you don't hear as much about guidelines lawyers as you do about rules lawyers for a reason. You know, if you can right. basically say, here's the spirit of the thing. And if you have questions, we can talk about the details. That's a lot easier to maintain than like, here is the legal document that says exactly what is and what is not okay. You know, that's just asking for a huge headache. Um, but yeah, beyond that, you have to support that. You can't just say, no, 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 we've got a code of conduct. No, we've got guidelines. So <laughs> everything's okay. If anybody's being wrong, just tell us. But, you know, let's leave it at that. It's got to be, it's got to be daily practice. It's got to be people reinforcing and modeling good behavior and making, you know, the community what it is by, by doing, you know, a community is a process. It's not just a static thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let me ask to shift gears a little bit. Um, you know, I think, you know, both of us sort of have come out of these, you know, two decade old sites that have this sort of, you know, uh, you know, loyal and, and great community, but, you know, people who are coming on the internet today, you know, community is basically Facebook. Um, yeah. and so, well, I guess I'll, I'll start with the general, like, what do you think of that? <laughs> I think it's, I think it's hugely problematic in a lot of ways, but it's also so hard to figure out how to just have that not happen. <laughs> right, I mean, right. what we're talking about is, you know, people are flocking to, centralized corporate social media because there's a lot of money there once you're making the money. I mean, Facebook obviously yeah. has a huge amount of cash to work with. Twitter has a huge footprint. Um, you know, whatever else you can say about what those companies are doing, they certainly aren't just going to blink out of existence. Yeah. Um, and so they build tools that are easy to get people on board to and people get on board there. And, you know, as much as I would love to say, you know, Facebook's user base should be on an equivalent number of meta filters instead of on Facebook. Who is going to make that happen is a real, real big question. Um, <laughs> yeah. And people like things that are easy to use. And the frustrating thing to me is that it's easy for a large entity with a lot of resources to make something that's easy to use and sort of get in the way of any question of people like making a choice. Like I think, I think people who want to have good, healthy discussions about basically whatever, uh, should totally join Metafilter. Uh, but I don't have the means to like put that message out there at scale. And even if I could put it out there at scale, we don't have the resources to support you right. know, 10 million users, you know? So it's obviously a very different question of like, how do you foster a good community of 10,000 people and how do you provide something to millions, tens of millions? Um, but I think with that comes a lot of problems. I think something like Facebook or Twitter, you know, as we see, there are these huge scaling problems of managing toxicity and managing actual sort of good service to your users, mm -hmm. you know, doing something that is fundamentally about providing someone with a good space and good community opportunities and letting them do their own thing, which I think is, should absolutely be the goal of online community management. Um, that's not the thing that pays the bills. That's not the thing that, you know, locks in users. So there's this huge ethical gulf between the potential power and influence that something like Facebook or Twitter has and 
you know, the obligation to actually create good, healthy community spaces and, and, and community tools. Um, so <laughs> short version, I'm not a fan. <laughs> and it's not because I think it's – I don't think it's fundamentally impossible for a large company uh, to do good things with huge amount of users. But I don't think anybody in the business who's got that scope is trying to really. And yeah. I'm, I'm unconvinced that anything is going to move Facebook or Twitter to actually change tax to something really fundamentally community-minded other than, you know, outright desperation, which means, you know, the best-case scenario is in the process of eventually failing under the face of some catastrophe. They might throw a Hail Mary towards doing good stuff. And that's, <laughs> that's a really weird scenario to set up because then they're losing to someone else, and someone else is probably not going to be relying on the competitive advantage of being super good. So, right. That's a very pessimistic take, but honestly, it's kind of <laughs> no. I mean, it's it's interesting to to think about because yeah, it does feel like you know the 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 sort of internet giants right now have sort of sucked all the oxygen out of the room, and and it does feel like a very very different web than what we had twenty years ago, yeah. um, you know, or even ten years ago, realistically. Um, and it's it's something that I've been sort of thinking about a lot as well, and and just the fact that like. You know, for some people, um, it does feel like, you know, Facebook is the internet for them, right? Yeah. I mean, they don't, yeah. they don't, you know, the rest of the web may exist, but it's not, it's not even relevant. They could live their lives through Facebook and exactly. Facebook has lots of incentives to, to make that, you know, stay that way yeah. and, and, and increase the, you know, how much time you actually spend within Facebook. And there is something, you know, and, and again, like, you know, there are two sides to that. You know, one is, you know, when you're able to do that, like perhaps you can provide some interesting and compelling innovations and, and tools and services that actually are, you know, things that, that, that would be useful. But it also does feel like something gets lost in that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and I think we're seeing some of that with with some of the backlash that, that actually has been happening. Um, I think some of that, the backlash is also a bit overstated. But yeah, it does sort of make me wonder about, you know, what do you do as sort of a, a smaller community to yeah. sort of stand out and, and, and I mean, survive, you know? really, really like survival is an interesting question, but just in terms of like what you try and do, like I think about it in terms of, you know, I Metafilter could probably have twice as many users as it currently does now and be fine. It could mm -hmm. maybe do five times as many. Anything beyond that, I think we'd be looking at like real existential problems. Hmm. And so, you know, we're talking on the order of like, you know, maybe 10, 20,000 users mm -hmm. uh, on the upper end. Um, obviously, one Metafilter is not going to work. I'm not interested in franchising per se, but I'd like to think that by trying to be sort of transparent and communicative about our goals and our guidelines and, and like what we're trying to do with the site, at least people trying to do their own communities can look at that and sort of take something from that. And step by step, maybe, maybe if there is a drawing back against corporate social media, there will be more smaller communities like starting up and doing a good job of like setting themselves up for long-term success by creating healthy spaces and, and making enough space for a lot of people, relatively speaking, to be involved. Um, and, you know, if, like, if five years from now there's 10 times as many communities uh, in more of our small-scale style that are functioning healthily, I think that would be great. Like it's yeah. not going to fundamentally change the, the big picture, but it can potentially change the small picture for a whole lot of people in a really positive way. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I just, I kind of try and focus on that because it's, it's, 
I'm not in the the Facebook game, and I don't really have any sense of what I would do if I was there. It's it's, right. a, it's such a different scale and such a different question, and it's a difficult question. But you know, it's it's easier for me to say, hey, these things are identifiably and identifiably going wrong than it is for me to say, oh, and I've snapped my fingers. Here's your solution. Because <laughs> short of people just not giving a crap about acquiring a whole bunch of capital, it's hard to present a solution. You know, a Facebook that doesn't make nearly as much money because they operate in a more ethical fashion is a great, great idea. And I think it would be wonderful. And I don't see why it would ever, ever happen, you know, under the current <laughs> circumstances. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I would argue that there, there is maybe a market opportunity, um, though I think just that the general framing of like, a non-evil Facebook um, is probably not enough to do that, yeah. <laughs> um, you know. And I, I think that, like, even the sort of like good versus evil framing of it, I think is sort of a little bit tough to to deal with. But you could picture, you know, there are there are reasonable concerns that people are having about sort of the scale of some of these companies, and you could see an opportunity for others to come in and and sort of you know, figure out, a, I, I don't know what the answer is. I mean, I think there's there's potentially room for someone to come in and compete against essentially the toxicity that mm -hmm. is a big problem on a lot of large scale, uh, you know, and, and corporate social media. Yeah. And, and so that's, that's an angle someone could take. And I would love to see someone take it successfully because that would be, I think, the best possible response to some of the major issues. Um, but there's always going to be the question of, you know, can you make money off that? Because yeah. that's the thing. If you want a big dog to take down a big dog, it's going to be because they're actually successfully competing, you know, at a corporate level. And so they've got something that manages to outdo ethically questionable business practices. And that's the thing about ethically questionable business right. practices. People, even people who aren't necessarily bad people will do not so great things sometimes because there's money there. And, you know, generously speaking, that's the main issue, you know, probably with a lot of uh, large scale social media is that, it's profitable to be not doing such a great job, at least until such time as everything falls apart. Um, so I don't know. It's 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 it, it's heady territory. I I am I'm likely to rant about it, <laughs> so I'll stop with that. But uh. no, it's interesting. It's it's interesting stuff. And and but I, I should mention too, like because we haven't discussed this, but for MetaFilter, right? You guys, um, there part of the business model for MetaFilter is that members of the community do pay, right? Yeah. Yeah, and voluntarily, so, but uh, yeah, and that's been a it's been a very uh, it's been a very busy month, which is part of I think how we ended up uh, hooking up uh, via via Chris O'Donnell for this conversation. Mm -hmm. um, is yeah, MetaFilter we we defend significantly on on ad revenue, mostly Google AdSense and a couple other things, um, and traditionally that's done reasonably well for the scale of our operating expenses. But there's been a real downturn on that this year, and we were looking at like an eight thousand dollar a month uh, shortfall as of mm. about this time last month. Um, and we had already done some community fundraising in the past. There was a big financial crisis several years ago with an even bigger ad market adjustment, um, at which point folks started giving us several thousand dollars a month just to support the site, not as a required subscription fee or anything like that, just to say, hey, MetaFilter is important. It's been part of my life for 15 years. Please take, you know, five bucks a month, 10 bucks a month, 20 bucks a month to, to support it. Um, mm -hmm. And... Recently, we had this new issue, uh, and folks basically doubled down on that. You know, it would put out a call for for help to say, "Hey, look, we've got this serious problem. We aren't going to continue to operate 
at the scale of staffing we have right now if this goes on for a few more month, months. We'll just have to cut some budget, and that's going to mean reducing the size of our moderation team. Um, right. And people stepped up hugely, just like amazingly generously. We have erased that $8,000 shortfall and then some by a couple thousand dollars. So we're rebuilding some savings and able to sort of plan more long-term for stuff. Um, and for me, that's really put into much clearer picture how much that community funding model is probably unavoidably the future of, you know, Metafilter. Like, it's possibly ad market will suddenly just decide to throw a lot more money at people again, but I'm right. not counting on it. Um, what I feel like I can count on is the investment people have in Metafilter as, you know, part of their online life, as part of their life. You know, people who have spent 5, 10, 15, 20 years on the site essentially – you know, it has value to them and people are willing to pay for stuff that's important to them and that they value to support it. Um, so yeah, we're doing almost half our expenses now monthly is, is supported directly by this volunteer community giving. Um, and I think we're going to have to emphasize that as just sort of like a core part of our, uh, sort of business model, uh, going forward and, and build that into a normal part of thinking about Metafilter. Not as somewhere where you have to pay to participate, because frankly, I want anybody who wants to participate to show up. You know, we've got a five dollar sign up fee, and for some people, that's a hardship. And mm -hmm. if they write and say, "Hey, I, I can't swing the five, but I want to join," it's like, "Okay, here, here's a gift account. You're all set." Um, but for the people who are able to, the people who've built up, uh, you know, a, a sense of connection with the site and who have the financial means to do so, just sort of supporting the site because they can is the thing that's making the difference. That's the thing that, that's why Metafilter continues to exist in the form it does uh, today versus having scaled back to something that was, you know, me working out of a closet by myself or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, it, I, I'm, I'm kind of, a, I continue to be astounded, but I'm less and less surprised by the generosity of the, the Metafilter community. And I think that's a model that probably a lot of small communities will need to depend on going forward as yeah. the ad market gets less and less friendly. Yeah, I mean it's a, a similar, to some extent, um, though maybe not to the same degree. But with us as well, I mean we've certainly had the community step up and and support us. And you know we started experimenting with like crowdfunding before Kickstarter existed and doing sort of like campaigns or yeah. other other different ways for for the community to sort of step up and support us. And and every time we've sort of, you know had a situation where we, we really needed the community to step up, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's kind of astounding and, and incredibly heartwarming yeah. to, to recognize that, you know, yeah, people do really value what you do uh, and they're, and they're willing to, to, to step up. Now I've seen, you know, some sites try and use that model to, to grow really big and I'm not sure that works, Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, but, but as a, as a way to sort of, you know, help build a, a sustainable small community. I think exactly. there's, there's a lot of opportunities there. Yeah, if you have if you have a sense of what your needs are and you can actually present those fairly transparently and keep them pretty yeah. steady, people can look at that and say, oh, okay, well, this is how I can help and I can do so with reasonably good expectations about why I'm doing it and, you know, how much of a difference it's going to make. And, yeah. uh, and, and, and the thing is, like, for anybody who's listening to this and thinking, hmm, well, I don't know, running an ethical community sounds like a lot of work. What's the payoff? <laughs> like, this is the story that you and I just both told here is it turns out if you need help from your community and you've built up a sense of 
goodwill and, yeah. and, and and fondness for it and you've made something that people actually really genuinely value rather than seeing as like oh okay well that's that's that utility that i use that's the internet utility um people will show up people will help out people will care about the things that they care about it's yeah it's the dumbest most obvious tautology but it's also it's it's exactly what it's all about you know metafilter has spent 18 years working to be a good place on the web and it turns out people are standing around and saying oh yeah i mean you kind of did it and i want that to keep happening and yeah yeah and it's it's incredible it's just sort of like you know if you respect the community how much they sort of return that in, yeah. in all different ways and like you know there's one example and i'll i'll be a little careful in the specifics so I don't <laughs> give away something that someone doesn't want me to give away. But, but uh, there, there was a uh, a website out there, a, a one that is slightly more popular and larger than than mine, <laughs> uh, that made a decision to um, experiment with blocking access to the website for anyone who um, had an ad blocker. Ah, yes. and. And so, you know, we wrote something about like how sort of anti-community that is. And I don't know how, what your opinion is on that or how you feel about that, but we've been, uh, at least for TechDirt, we've been very explicit. Like we totally understand why people want to have ad blockers. And yeah, we think no, we're they're, very much in the same place. You know, potentially very good reasons to have ad blockers. And one of the things that we did um, after the story that I'm slightly stepping away from uh, uh, is we actually allow anyone to turn off the ads on TechDirt. It's not even a situation where like you have to pay us to turn off ads, which I know some sites do. We literally have a preference whether you're, even if you're like not a signed in account, you can just go to the preferences and turn off the ads on the site. We just figure like, look, let's just lay our cards on the table and be like, if you don't want ads, like fine, don't have ads on the site. However, you know, it would be nice <laughs> if you supported us in these other ways. Exactly. But, but you know, we'll, we'll trust you and actually treat the community as human beings who, uh, understand this stuff. Um, but you know, so we wrote this thing sort of saying like, this is, this is an anti-community move by this other website. And all of a sudden, like we got a whole bunch of people actually like donating to us and we had someone give us, you know, a fairly large sum of money <laughs> who was just like, I'm doing this solely because, you know, I, I like that other site, but that was such a, you know, such an obnoxious move. And you guys were so, cool about it that I'm just giving you a whole bunch of money, like yeah. a significant sum of money. Yeah, that's amazing. And, which was, you know, incredible, but and, and completely unasked for. Um, but just the fact that like, you know, again, it's this sort of respect issue where you respect the community, and they'll come out and surprise you in, in all sorts of ways. Yeah, there's a there's a great uh, piece from a few years back uh, by uh, Paul Ford. Um, yeah. <laughs> called uh, why wasn't I consulted? Yeah, <laughs> got a lot of discussion on MetaFilter. And... So, so look, can I can I just pause for one second? Sure. I, I have a list of things to possibly talk to you about if like the conversation <laughs> died, and that article is one of them. So oh, excellent. <laughs> that's kind of crazy. But okay, go ahead. Go well, ahead. Well, it's, yes. it, it's it's it gets to the center of that. Like I I really like Paul's piece because it really gets at that idea that ties into a lot of stuff we're talking about. Like if a community has a sense of access to the process that is shaping and governing it, that makes a huge difference to people. And yeah. so, you know, that, that includes having stuff like moderation be sort of transparent and be something that happens as part of the community dynamic yep. rather than an outside force swooping in on giant eagles to slay bad comments and then 
riding off into the sunset or whatever. Um, although that sounds almost like a cool pitch now that I put it that way. <laughs> uh, but, you know, like yeah, ha having moderators be part of your community is helpful that way. It makes it feel like the things that are happening are happening with some sort of community sensibility. Talking to your users about what you're doing and what your strategies are and, you know, presenting changes that you're considering as things you're considering rather than always just right. like as an accomplished thing and deal with it. You know, all of these things help foster a sense of involvement and uh, a degree of, you know, ownership, you know, if, if not necessarily control specifically, at least inclusion in, in sort of the process of figuring out how things are going. And I think that's the same thing, you know, when you tell people, hey, this is how we feel about this and this is why we're doing it and make clear sort of the thought process behind how you're operating the site, people will respond positively to that. Um, and yeah, you will see support from people to say, hey, I like I like what you're doing and I like how you're doing it and I want to support yeah. that. And that's, that's, that's huge. That's, that's a really important thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's totally true. And and it's funny. I mean, one of the things that we've always done is we sort of, you know, when we've offered crowdfunding projects and, and other such things, you know, we sort of offer different things in response beyond just like, you know, supporting the site. Like we'll offer like lunches or we even have this like spend a day with us <laughs> uh, um, tier that, that a few people have actually purchased and spent days with us. Um, but what's what's kind of amazing is a lot of people will, will buy those levels and then basically say like, we, we don't want the, you know, don't need to get lunch with you or, yeah. you know, because we're not doing it for that reason. We're just yeah, doing exactly. it to su support the site. Um, and so you get all, all sorts of interesting things. To go back to the that Paul For Ford article, which, by the way, uh, should have been called uh, why wasn't I consulted is not. I forget what the what the actual title was. Oh, okay, was. yeah. It, I've, it was... I've forgotten entirely that there was anything other than that as the... Yes, uh... right. So me too. And it's like the point, and I always make this point and I talk to people about it because it's like, it, it's it's one of it's like one of the articles that was written online years ago that still, you know, influences my thinking on online communities more than probably anything else. Um, and it has some other title and it, it's always bothered me that, you know, because Paul is just an amazing thinker and writer and just, you know, a, a, a wonderful um, person that's sort of, you know, finding these things and expressing them in such useful ways. Um, yeah. But it does bother me that the article is not called that. I forget what it's called. It's something... I, I Googled it just to make sure it was okay. the first hit, which thankfully it is. And it's the web is a customer service medium. Yes. I knew it had something to do with customer service. And if you see that headline, you're not going to read that article. Yeah. Well, <laughs> then the second hit is Daring Fireball, you know, republishing it as why wasn't I consulted? So I was like, okay. <laughs> right, everybody, right. Else, everybody else knew where Paul didn't quite get despite like, <laughs> nailing it. Yeah. But it's it's such an interesting concept and it basically is saying you know for, for those who haven't read it and you should go read it because as i said like I, I don't even remember when it was published it's, it's a while it's like 2011 back yeah it's like yeah and it's it's really influenced my thinking on so much about the internet for for so long and it's basically saying like the killer app of of the internet is that it answers the why wasn't i consulted thing which is that it it enables people to to you know, connect and communicate and speak out and give their opinions yeah. and, you know, where you can open up those opportunities for them to do so in productive ways, like amazing things happen. Um, and it's really like, I, I think it's actually a really useful article in thinking about community and, and, and the internet and sort of how to run a useful internet site. Yeah, um, no, it's, so. it's a great piece. It's really indispensable. 
Yeah, that's funny that you brought it up. I literally had that as something I wanted to talk about. <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, an article from, from seven or eight years ago. Uh, <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm still flabbergasted that you brought it up. I'm trying to think, like, what else, you know, is, is there anything else? I mean, I think we've covered a lot of different things about sort of, you know, I think we've sort of had some, some fairly parallel experiences in, in kind of, you know, running these kinds of sites. Um, I'm trying to think, you know, what else it would be interesting for, for our, our listeners um, or for Chris specifically. Who <laughs> for Chris, this is your, your, your podcast. Just send it to him. Sorry. Nobody else wants to yeah. know about this stuff. Um, I, I'm, uh, the scheming, good natured protagonist in this Jane Austen novel. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Um, you know, well, I, I think one other thing that I, I think is, is interesting and we can maybe close it out on this topic is, um, is the nature uh, i mean we've talked about like communities and 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 moderators um but the um the nature of self policing that goes into to good communities these absolutely, days absolutely yeah um and it's something that 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 we found you know clearly on TechTrade and and I've talked about this on previous podcasts and most of the people listening to this are probably familiar with like um TechTrade system where we're fairly open and we're, we're in terms of like um like administrator level moderation, we're actually fairly hands off. Um, we have, um, we do have a voting system, but it's unlike most sites voting systems. Like we don't have like the sort of up or down. Um, we have this, we have our three button system, which is um, you can vote for something as being um, insightful. You can vote for something being funny, or you can report something as being, you know, sure prob problematic. Um, and we found that that does a nice thing and that it in incentivizes insightful comments and incentivizes funny comments. Um, but, you know, and, and, you know, so that's all community driven. Um, but also like just the fact that, you know, sort of regular community members sort of step in and, and let people know, let others know sort of when they've gone out of line. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's really quite incredible how useful that is just having the community themselves being able to step up. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think that, I think that is a fundamental part of like a healthy, uh, open discussion community, especially, you know, it's, it's something, and that goes back to, you know, I was talking earlier about modeling good behavior and it's the same thing. It's, you know, basically both, both empowering people to take an active role in sort of community discussions, you know, letting people, letting people know basically that it's okay to say, Hey, maybe we should not do this or, Hey, I think that was a misunderstanding or man, I, I hear what you're saying, but I don't know if this is the best way to approach that. Um, those sort of conversational tools are things people can absolutely use to help conversations go well. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, I think encouraging that and setting expectations there, that that is a normal thing to do is really useful. You know, there's, there's effort in tuning that certainly like, just like not everybody would necessarily make a good actual moderator as a job. Not everybody's actually that great at that kind of community uh, yeah. steering or self-policing, but you know, that you work with your user base. And if someone's trying to do that a little too much to some extent, other people will say, Hey, you know, maybe, yeah, maybe not so much with that. And you get like these, <laughs> these meta levels of uh, yeah. sort of self-policing, but also maybe that's where your moderation team comes in and, 
you know, talks to them and says, Hey, I appreciate what you're trying to do, but I think it's not landing. Why don't we look at, you know, throttling back on that or tying this different rhetorical strategy if you want to try and help out with that sort of thing. Um, and yeah, you can get, you can get a huge amount of positive, you know, feedback going on in your community by letting people have that, uh, have that ability, you know, not as deputies, but just as members of the community who are listening and aware of what's going on and can help encourage what they already recognize are good situations. Yeah. Um, and then people see that happening and they model that and you get these wonderful feedback loops. You get people really doing the work to help the place they care about be a positive space. And I think that's absolutely essential and it's a wonderful thing when it happens and it needs to be part of how you think about moderation and community management because it can't just all be top down, you know, in anything where yeah. you're actually having a discussion space, you know, if yeah. you're doing something that's very mechanistic, you know, very strict Q and a sort of situation, maybe then, okay, maybe it can just be, everybody's doing their own thing. They're basically strangers. And then someone comes in and cleans up the, the, the huge problems. But <laughs> that's, that's usually not the case. That's, that's not what we mean when we say community, we're not talking about like a bunch of people locked in separate rooms, you know, communicating through tin cans on strings and never listening you know, it's, it's participation. It's a dynamic, it's a process. It's a, it's a thing where, you know, everybody is helping make whatever's happened happen, you know, yeah. and ideally they're helping, you know, if they're not helping, then you have to find ways community and moderation wise to deal with that and, and redirect things in a, in a better, more constructive direction. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it is interesting. And I, I've definitely seen like, you know, there'll be times where I'll just get sort of sucked into <laughs> to like a discussion or an argument or something and i found that like if i go away for an hour or you know <laughs> overnight or something and then come back and i found like other people in the community sort of pick up and and tend to do a better job than i do you know yeah. in my own community right? it's like okay you know, like i can i can sit back i don't have to you know uh, there, there's lots of really good, smart people who will handle this even better than I would. Um, yeah, and being able to establish that that sense of of trust in your community is so powerful yeah. and so useful, and it makes makes it a much easier job to do when you know that like you're there to sort of help steer and do some of the janitorial stuff, but you don't have to like do literally everything. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Uh, well, I think. Uh, that was a good discussion. Hopefully it makes Chris happy. <laughs> uh, um, well, I enjoyed it. Uh, it was good to, to get to know you, Josh. And, yeah, no, uh, it was a very nice time. Thanks very much for having me on. Sure. And uh, uh, I hope that, that people beyond Chris <laughs> enjoyed it also. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure some of you uh, liked it. So thanks, everyone, for, for listening and, and joining. And Josh, thanks for taking the time. Cheers. And uh, we'll be back next week with some other topic. Right.